Hello and welcome to Talking New Retina. This is a new series exploring the latest news and developments in the world of retina. We'll also keep you up to date on the latest events, activities and strategy of the European Society of Retina Specialists, Uretina. I'm your host, Jonathan McRae. This year, Mr. Alistair Laidlaw begins his Uretina presidency, taking over from Professor Frank Holtz. Professor Ramin Tadayoni steps up to Executive Committee as President-elect, his term will start in 2023, and Professor Anat Lowenstein continues her term as General Secretary. So in this first episode, we'll take a look at what lies in store for Uretina over the next four years in terms of strategy. Alistair, Ramin and Anat, it's so good to have you with us for our first episode. Anat, I might start with you as General Secretary... Can you just clarify my understanding of the governing structure of Uretina and how things work in terms of the president, the executive and the board? Thank you very much, Jonathan. Um, so uh, the Uretina organization is uh, built from uh, members and from a board. The board has uh, 11 members and uh, we always uh, make sure that there is diversity in the countries, all European countries, and also diversity in terms of uh, gender uh, as much as uh, possible. Uh, the board has an uh, executive committee. The executive committee is comprised of the president, president-elect, general secretary, and the uh, past president. Basically, the decisions at the board are made by the total board, uh, not necessarily by the executive committee, but the executive committee does recommend to the board and comes up with suggestions. Board members are elected by the general assembly of the membership of Uretina, and the president is is elected by the board. Thanks for that, Anas. So, Alistair, one of the things, I suppose, as we talk about your your presidency, one of the things you want to focus on is expanding, I suppose, the remit of your retina. And in way, in a way, subcommittees for specialised topics is, is something you want to, to look at. Yeah, I, I think there's two things here, Jonathan. Firstly, your retina is 21 years old. And in that time, we've seen a, an evolution of the way that societies act. And we've become really, really good at laying on very big, very effective teaching meetings. But it's time now, I think, and this is building on a lot of stuff that's been done in the past. So this is not my idea solely or um, any anybody on the board at the moment, but it's to turn Uretina into a year-round organization um, that has a leading role in terms of retina in Europe. And so that's going to involve some standard setting. We're talking about exams. Um, we're talking about potential political advocacy. We've recognised that we need to have a, a stronger attitude about diversity, both in terms of gender and ethnicity. Um, we want to be expanding our research programme and our research offering. Um, and we really want to try and make you retina into the go-to place for a retina specialist um, in Europe and, and hopefully beyond Europe. What we're talking about now is a lot of activity and retina is very subspecialized. And if we're wanting to expand the output in terms of things like this, the podcast, in terms of journal clubs, in terms of regular online sessions and so on, we really need to start delegating it down to the experts in this area. It can't be just controlled at board level. And that's where the subspecialty groups come in, which we hope are going to become very active and indeed drive the, the guidelines as well which are hopefully a very influential part of what we do. So how um, will these subcommittees work? 
Well, we're going to have uh, heads of the subcommittee, and then they will build a group of individuals who are um, who are sort of professionally and academically um, representative of, of what's going on in Europe, and there will be some representatives from the rest of the world in there, but also we'll be looking at the diversity issue and we'll also trying to identify future stars to bring on through this the, uh, the subspecialty group structure. I want to talk about um, uh, guidelines and advocacy in a bit, but in terms of the output, I know you've been keen uh, yourself, Alistair, to, to to drive more digital output. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of, of doing that, particularly now, and how the digital platform and digital content will help you reach a bigger audience? Well, uh, it's not just my vision, Ramin and Anat and the rest of the board have been really uh, full, fully behind this. Um, and we've discussed this as being a sort of a, a vision of what to do. When COVID came along, um, the whole idea of face-to-face meetings was completely turned on its head and we all interacted via Zoom. And so you've got the, the ability to have a much greater offering. We've got the resources, we've got the um, the bandwidth in terms of uh, the subspecialty groups in order to offer a lot of education, a lot of news-related content, a lot of keeping people up to date via the, the uh, year-round digital offering, which you can't do in, in four days. Now, there's a huge role to face-to-face conferences. Socially, they're great um, in terms of motivating people, in terms of catching up and so on. But the rest of the year, you can be offering equally relevant stuff um, to improve uh, people's clinical activity uh, on a a day-to-day, year-round basis. Ramin, in terms of furthering, I suppose, the interests of not just you, retina, but uh, retina specialists across the world, uh, how important is that over the next number of years to try and think about relations beyond uh, retina specialists? I think this is very important, and Alistair said, so we we will have four years between his presidency, mine, and also uh, the next president, we hope, more more time to change the organization from an organization that make a meeting, which is successful. And I want to insist on that. The reason we can imagine something else is because this meeting is very successful. Absolutely. And that's the real reason. And then we go, we think, okay, we should do something different now. So we should move to a full organization and a full organization acting against retinal disease and blindness. And that means that we should not talk only to retinal specialists, but also to patients. So we should inform patients. And there are many patients looking for reliable information and we should provide this to them too. And then we should also provide information for policymakers. Policymakers need other form of information. When we talk about influencing, doesn't mean the bad way of going in their office or trying to influence. It's just to provide the right information that this disease is a blinding disease. This disease needs this amount of money, and this is the way to fight it. So please help us to do this. So we should be considered as a partner by policymaker. They should just come to us saying that we have also this problem in our country. How did this was solved in another part of Europe? So how we can solve it in our country? Because Europe, contrary to US, for example, is a quite independent countries that work together so we can learn from each other. What is um, the biggest challenge reaching these policymakers? Is, is it the fact that they there are so many different countries within uh, Europe? Uh, is it the fact that other um, specialties are also uh, looking for the same sort of attention? I think at this stage, the challenge is on our side. So what we, we have to really identify what kind of information we should generate to influence them. 
So this is really the first point. For example, in myopia, we don't have any idea of how, uh, what's the rank of blindness re related to myopia. Even WHO doesn't have this information because it was not coded until recently. So this kind of information saying that we may have a problem, so how we collect the information and this then provide the information is important. So I think the first challenge is to have the information. Then the second challenge would be how we provide the information to the policymaker. And that, when it comes to giving out good information, for example, um, through guidelines, making sure you have an agreed approach or agreed strategy to a particular uh, area um, is really important. Can you tell us a little bit about how guidelines are being made and how that might change over time? Yeah, so actually we did with uh, real uh, emphasis by Al, uh, we uh, decided to change the structure in which guidelines were are built. We did publish uh, quite important guidelines about diabetic macular edema and about uh, retinal vein occlusion and about macular degeneration. And this was merely a combined effort of a group of people who wrote parts of these guidelines. And uh, these were really excellent. And now the concept is a little different. The concept is that there'll be section heads, as Al mentioned, to the different topics in uh, retina, like macular degeneration, inherited disease, diabetic macular edema. And as part of their effort, they will be also responsible for the guidelines, of course, with the support from the board. Of course, board members will be part of the, of the section heads, but it will not be only uh, the board uh, people uh, writing, but rather people who are in charge of that who will choose their own experts uh, to write the guidelines. I think in this this way, it will be maybe uh, even more comprehensive, even though the guidelines which were published were really excellent and, and a very, very common point of reference from all over the world, actually. And that talking about diversity for a moment, I know that Uretna has undertaken a survey looking at gender. You may not have the results of that yet, and we might talk about that in a later episode, um, but maybe you might talk to me about what the plan is to increase diversity because uh, in many specialties across the world, there is this mismatch between gender, but also uh, a lack of a diversity when it comes to faculty members, board members, and so on. Yeah, so actually the survey is just uh, one part of this uh, very comprehensive program. It is a program that is uh, co-chaired by a few board members, in co including Caroline Claver and uh, Nicole Etter, and, uh, and myself and Dara Conlon, our executive vice president. And uh, the, the aim is actually to try to raise women to their full potential, because we all know that, uh, you know, in ophthalmology, like in uh, many other professions, Women do play an important role, but uh, only a small percentage of them get to leadership positions. And everyone emphasized the need for a very broad focus on diversity. Uh, for example, uh, it was the suggestion of Al that in each uh, session, in the meeting, in the big meeting, we will have a, a representation for women as men, as moderators, as chairs, and of course, as speakers. And this is just an example. And I think it, when it comes to uh, diversity and, and, and raising the bar when it comes to equality, having men as allies in that process is extremely important. It cannot be the burden of, of women um, scientists, professors, and so on. Ramin, thinking beyond Alistair's presidency, have you thought about longer term plans? Is there something that you've got simmering on the boil hoping to, to bring to your retina and its membership? The way I see the, uh, the point I, we should achieve in four years of now, when will be the end of uh, my presidency, in, if in four years of now, we have a full organization talking to patients, doctors, and uh, policymakers. 
we provide all forms of modern education and we continue to be open to everyone and diversity is part of it. So anyone can contribute to this. If you have something interesting to say, this is the way to go. If we achieve this, I will be the happiest person. <laughs> Alistair. I think it's fair to say that a lot of this has already been published in um, the Euretina Roadmap 2025 that came out uh, as part of Frank's presidency. And it is very much that we've got a, a very uh, amicable um, sort of inheritance of the presidency. We're working together very well, Ramin and uh, Nat and I, uh, and building on what's there before. In continuation to what Al said about uh, Frank, uh, Frank generated your Retina Roadmap 2025. Actually, the two programs, the Women in Retina and the Mentorship Program, started as part of this. Uh, it was uh, really, like uh, Al said, it was Frank's uh, call to all the board members to come and think about things that we can uh, evolve to be part of the Roadmap for 2025. And together with uh, Ramin, we decided to build the Uretina Mentorship program. This is in addition to the women program. This is supported by Roche and together we built a program and the mentorship program includes for the first year six pairs of uh, mentees and mentors selected from a wide uh, group of applicants and uh, it will be uh, chaired by Ramin and, uh, and myself and we plan for a very active program for the mentor and mentee. So this is a very, very exciting part of the Roadmap 2025 that started when Frank Holtz was the president. So we are very happy to have Annette because she has been mentor of so many retina specialists. So basically, I will learn from her how we should be a good mentor because we have many admirers, including in my department, that she has Thank been you. So we are very <laughs> I lucky. love them. I love them. Yeah, I, I know. So we are very lucky to have her. So Annette, who do you see as the perfect candidate for mentorship? Is it somebody who's working in a department like mine where there's a lot of established... Um, uh, retinal specialists who are working at quite a high level, we'd like to think, or is it for somebody who perhaps hasn't had the educational opportunities? It's it's actually a very, very good question. I think that it can be a mixture of both profiles. Uh, for example, in a big group that uh, I was mentoring for many years, for nine years, there were three groups, three, uh, three years each. It was a mixture of people from excellent uh, institutes, for example, from a men's institute, and they were the leaders of the group. Uh, they came with ideas. They established the research projects. These, these groups had 30 papers among themselves within the three years that they were working together. And the other profile is a profile of people who come from maybe a place where they do not have as much opportunities as they have in your department or in Ramin's department, and then they can learn from the others and bring the experience to the others because, because it's not only mentor and mentee. It's always the group together. Mm. So I think it can be a mixture of both. You mentioned the exam being a really important part of, um, of what EU Retina does. Uh, Alistair, how will that change, do you think, over the next few years? Well, we're setting up this subspecialty exam. It's with the EBO, the European Board of Ophthalmology, and the idea is that this is going to give people a qualification that says, I know uh, this amount about retina. And it will basically, we think at the moment, it's going to be developed. It's been led by Nicoletta um, from Dortmund, who's um, chairing the system. We're working with the EBO and uh, people in Agenda who have expertise in doing this. And it's aiming to be a statement that you have the factual knowledge that allows you to be a retinal subspecialist on your own. 
which is obviously hugely useful because there are presumably lots of different standards out there, but having this sort of European-wide or globally recognised um, uh, recognition is important. Absolutely. Um, it gives people confidence in terms of providing a service because it's a validation of their knowledge. It gives them a target to learn towards. It gives the public uh, a, a confidence in the specialists that they're seeing. It allows us to try and standardise the uh, the standard, if you can standardise the standard. It, tries to, <laughs> um, it, it gives us the, uh, the opportunity to try and uh, establish a standard at which somebody who's uh, you know, in the UK, we talk about a consultant um, ophthalmologist who is running at a consultant level, at an independent specialist level. Returning to your broader vision for the next two years or so, what is the the, the number one priority for you when it comes to your presidency? Um, gosh, <clears throat> that's put me on the line. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think leaving it leaving it in a good position for Ramin and to take over and for Nat to continue to lead. Um, How diplomatic of you, Alistair. <laughs> what was it that James Bond said? Just for the, the successor, just don't be rubbish. Um, I think that, that could be my main aim. I, I think we want to really build on what we can do. And a lot of this, a lot of the groundwork for this was laid down by Frank Holtz in his uh, program. And I think it's it's perhaps a bit of a shame that Frank's program was, on, a lot of it was absorbed in terms of administration and background of the society. And it's now having set all that up, it's quite easy now to produce things um, that are much more visible to the membership in terms of activities. So this is just an ongoing evolution of the society. So digital education um, going year round and the exam, I think, are the, the two big uh, things. We've got a lot of resources and we're hoping to start spending them. So that's a, a very important thing in terms of research activity, um, in terms of educational activity. Um, so that would be uh, another issue. And I think the diversity is something that we're just going to have to um, uh, improve. And um, we've got gender diversity, we've also got ethnic diversity that we need to consider. Um, and we need to make the, the leadership of this society look like the people who turn up to the meeting. Well, thank you, Alistair, Anat, and Ramin, so much for joining us on our first ever episode of Talking You Retina where over the next few months we'll be having regular journal clubs on subspecialty topics with world-leading experts, roundups on development, treatments and new technologies, fireside chats about key issues in the field, and we'll hear about upcoming events and courses. If you have a comment, suggestion or question, you can email us. It's podcast at uretina.org. That's it from us. Until next time on Talking Uretina. Retina.